Howdy folks, I'm your host Ed Moore. This is Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. You can leave feedback on Twitter at Teal Productions, on Facebook on the pages for Teal Productions and Lords of Order. You can email me at the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com. Leave comments on the website, bigtimenoise.com slash drfate, or visit the forums at justanotherfanboy.freeforums.net. Justice League of America, the first volume, 1960, issue 65, which is cover dated September 1968 with an on-sale date, according to Mike's Amazing World, thank you, Mike, of July 25th, 1968. All the other information I have that I give out is from the Grand Comic Books database. Tio Moro Kills the Justice League Today is the name of the story, and it is scripted for us by Gardner Fox, penciled by Dick Dillon, inked by Sid Green, and lettered by Joe Letterese, if that is really who he is. Now, this can be found reprinted, which I neglected to say last episode, I believe, but... As these are two parts of the same story, I will assume that they can be found in the same place. Justice League of America Archives from 1992, Issue 8. Crisis on Multiple Earths from 2002, Issue 2. Showcase presents the Justice League of America from 2005, Issue 4. The Justice League of America, the Silver Age Omnibus from 2016, Issue 2. And Crisis on Multiple Earths from uh, from 2021, Issue 1, Crossing Over. Now, all of those were produced by DC Comics. Title page, we have Tio Moro, fists raised, facing away from us, shouting out, now that I've killed off the Justice League, what'll I do for an encore? And we see in uh, suspended animation kind of tubes going down the right and left sides from foreground to background. Left is Superman, Flash, Adam, Hawkman and Snapper Car. On the right-hand side is Batman, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Green Arrow. Inside on the splash page, we are told by the narrator, a strange sight in the secret sanctuary of the Justice League. The presiding member stands on a table as he calls the meeting to order, and it is the Atom with a gavel. Snapper Car saying, Ha ha, you look more like a table man than a chairman, Adam." And then... We're told directly below in the souvenir room, an even stranger meeting is underway. Five people going from left to right. Colonel Steve Trevor ready for Wonder Woman. Gene Loring all set for the Atom. What a surprise when Hawkman sees Hawkgirl crash the JLA meeting. Snapper car, here comes Midge. Where Aquaman goes, so does his wife Mara. Next page, we see the five individuals crash the party. Snagging kisses on their paramours, which will be, as we said, Steve Trevor for Wonder Woman, Gene Loring for The Atom, Hawk Girl for Hawkman, Midge for Snapper Car, and Mara for Aquaman. And as they kiss those members, those that initiated the kisses disappear and the five JLA members fall to the ground lifeless leaving to wonder what in the heck is going on. Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and Batman. Oh, and let me say, um, this was a tough decision for me because Dr. Fate appears in like five panels in the whole book. So normally, if it had been just a standalone book, I probably would not have been speaking about it on the show. But 
it is the second part of the story, so I didn't want to leave you guys hanging if you've never read this or you're interested. And I did find it, you know, moderately interesting to read, even though I wasn't, I, I didn't get what I was after. So I'm, I'm go ahead and doing this. Also, since it's a JSA JLA team up, I kind of have been wanting to read those stories. So bear with me. As I said, Dr. Fate will appear in maybe five panels in the whole book. So those of you that are, you know, die hard, Dr. Fate, I'm sorry. Everyone else enjoy, you know, what, what I speak about. If you can enjoy me speaking at all, hopefully. Um, and I'll, I'll do the best I can with the book here. Uh, the follow-up instant, Out of Green Lantern Stethoscope. Now, this is interesting, uh, I guess. Yeah, okay. He had, in the previous page, he had formed a stethoscope to check on Wonder Woman to see if he could pick up any vitals. Well, out of the stethoscope, we see someone speaking, and they say, those figures were energy duplicates created by me to wipe out half your organization. I've spared five of you so I can have an uncluttered view of the hectic action you are about to engage in. And so uh, basically what that means is Gardner Fox didn't want to have to write about all the members. So he thought, how can I get rid of some of the members? And using their paramours was, if I'm using that word correctly, paramour, I think I am, uh, to to take out certain members. He, I guess he didn't care who was left. He just wanted to whittle it down so there weren't. 20 and 30 people um, all, all over the story. Although I will say, back in the Justice Society days, Gardner did a pretty good job of handling that. He would bracket the intro and the outro involving everybody. And then the story itself, now there were more pages, probably double the number of pages. Um, each character had his own strip go through that had a beginning, middle, and end as far as the overall mission. So they would be assigned the mission, then each individual character would have their mission detailed via a number of pages, and then they'd all come together at the end to summarize the mission and, and put it to bed. So he, he did a good job doing that, but now, as story writing has progressed, typically you see all of the members involved all the time, and so it's, it's a much more chaotic kind of writing and art process, I would imagine, so... This is his way of whittling that down. Um, continuing the voice out of the stethoscope, at this very moment, my cosmic created creatures are about to attack Earth. Your battle against them will serve as a tune-up to your final battle against me. And we have a two-third page panel with giant creatures, a harpy, a, um, is it a manticore? It's not a manticore. It's the, um, Lion body with wings and an eagle head, whatever that one's called, I forget. Uh, and a dragon over here. They're all plummeting down, getting ready to attack the Justice League members. The stethoscope voice finally says, uh, sums up by saying, If you're thinking of attacking me now, forget it. I won't appear until you're finished saving Earth. Then and only then will I fight you to your deaths in your own souvenir room, which is a, a cool little thing that happens. So they all go outside, Superman flying, Green Lantern uh, carrying on a platform, Green Arrow, Flash, and Batman. The dragon attacks Superman. The uh, tail 
of the dragon brushes Batman, Green Arrow, and Flash off of the platform. A griffin, that's what it's called. And the griffin attacks Green Lantern. Now, the griffin is yellow. So Green Lantern's going to be at a disadvantage. We find out that the dragon has kryptonite teeth, which puts Superman at a disadvantage. Um, it's interesting that at this point, Tio Moro is this up on the weaknesses of the heroes. I didn't necessarily know that that was common knowledge, but there we go. So as they fall, Batman and Green Arrow attack the Harpy-esque creature. Uh, we cut to Green Lantern trying to fight the griffin and determining because it is yellow that the power his power ring doesn't have any effect however the flash as he's falling he falls over the griffin and starts drumming on the head with the power of a thousand trip hammers uh, with his feet as and that's what he's doing to slow his fall as he's uh pumping his feet up and down, causing wind disturbance that slows him down. I, I think we've we've seen that a lot before. So, in freeing Green Lantern from having to battle the Griffin, because Flash is now attacking the Griffin, Green Lantern goes to help Superman with the dragon by prying its jaws apart and allowing Superman to escape. Then... Using a giant set of clapper hands, he claps the dragon and stuns it, or potentially kills it. I don't remember right off the top of my head uh, what happens to the dragon, but we'll see. Uh, the next page is a full-page ad for the Go and Grow Motorific playsets. Apparently, there are 18 cars and 8 trucks and 20 new accessories between all the different parts that can hook together. You have the Le Mans Start starter timer, the passing zone, the remote control intersection, the service center, the spring test, the highway bridge, the crash test, and the cornering test that you can all put in in this uh, series and run cars through them. Get on the right track, get the all-new motorific action highway and racerific accessories and never-ending fun, uh, all from Ideal. Now, Batman and Green Arrow are attacking the Harpy, but they're starting to uh, run afoul of things that actually do anything to the Harpy until finally it knocks both uh, Batman and Green Arrow away. And we see off in the background here that the Griffin has uh, grabbed the Flash too. So now they have uh, the, the winning side has switched. Green Arrow and Batman continue to fall out of the air away from the Harpy, and so now attack the Griffin, releasing the Flash, who is saved by Green Arrow and a giant net as Batman comes back up and punches the dragon, thinking that he killed the dragon, but no, all of the creatures just disappear as the fake paramours did earlier after they had kissed their uh, corresponding JLA members. So Superman uh, is flying around. The Green Lantern has Batman, Flash, and Green Arrow all corralled. And they go back down to land and meet up in the souvenir room where they face off against who they now see to be Tio Moro. A couple more ads for a Ravel model here of a... Um, uh, they're talking about kamikaze pilots, but... This is a bomber, uh, one of the Zero bombers from the Japanese in World War II, I believe, is what this is. I forget the name of those planes. It might be Zeros. 
uh, for the bombers also. I know the fighters were called zeros. And then, full-page ad four, you are cordially invited to attend the wedding of Laura, Lois Lane and Superman in the giant Lois Lane issue on sale July 11th at your newsstand. And that is Lois Lane issue 86, and it is an all-wedding issue of 80 pages. You go, Lois. Now, in the souvenir room, things get particularly interesting. The diamond creature that Superman defeated in Greenland has grabbed Felix Faust's magic bell and is attacking Superman. Amazo is attacking Flash. Starro is attacking Green Arrow. Super Duper, the machine-made menace, is attacking Batman. And Dr. Light's light machine... Uh, Dr. Light is using his light machine to project golden bubbles at Green Lantern. The golden bubbles, of course, appear yellow. So now, Flash is holding his own against Amazo until Amazo starts switching powers between... Amazo is an android that absorbs powers when it comes in the vicinity of a hero. And I believe at this point, uh, something had, had... happened and the unless maybe it was always that way i'm not up on my amazo history but amazo has all of the powers of the original jla members and amazo fought them very very early in their history like within the first five to ten issues i think and here we are up to issue 65 Uh, so flash was doing okay but uh, the next panel we see that he's not batman is holding his own destroys the diamond creature what he, yeah, I was going to say, what did he call it? He called it Diamond Creature. But then the uh, Magic Bell attacks Superman. Green Arrow doesn't seem to be doing too well with Starro, uh, ultimately grabbing up an atomic warhead arrow, woof, and firing it as, at a Starro, but Starro grabs it and eats it and continues to attack Green Arrow. The Green Lantern, who has blonde hair uh, in this panel on page what have you, 15, 16, something like that. Uh, looks like the coloration missed in my copy here. And he's not doing too well. The, the, he defeats the machine, but ultimately the bubbles uh, surround him and envelop him, defeating him. And then Superman really doesn't uh, do too good a job against the Super Duper, who has the combined powers of Wonder Woman, Hawkman, Flash, Green Lantern, and Batman. Much as Amazo, only this is female. And she looks the part. She has the head and hair of Wonder Woman, uh, the body and wings, the, the torso and wings of Hawkman. I would assume the arms and gauntlets, 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 excuse me, of Batman, and the lower body, the legs of Flash. So she grabs the Wonder Woman tiara on her head and bangs Batman in the head with it, knocking him out. So now we have uh, the scene off of the front page with everyone lined up, kind of like trophies, in individual slots where Tio Moro has defeated them. And in the background, we have a giant mock-up of Starro and the Amazo android in, uh, encased in glass here behind Tio Moro. So he goes to his secret lair and consults his computer, and his computer tells him you will succeed in anything you attempt, provided the red tornado does not appear to stop you. So he has defeated the Justice League, and he's like, man, what what do I do now? 
and goes and consults his computer, and this is the best his computer can do for him. Doesn't really give many answers. The narrator tells us, but is the scarlet swirler dead, the red tornado, on that other earth at this moment? His body stirs, and he is thinking, the red tornado, is he's coming back to consciousness. I'm alive. The future energy explosion that killed the Justice Society members didn't quite kill me. My holding onto the energy weapon when the explosion occurred saved me. It acted like a lightning rod grounding the lethal energies. And here is an image of uh, Dr. Fate, one of a handful of panels. Red Tornado continues, I could revive the stricken members by reversing the energy in their bodies if I still had that weapon. But Morrow must have taken it from me when he left. No matter, I can get another one in his hideout. So he goes to the hideout. Now this is all occurring on Earth 2. Okay, remember that. The JLA and Tio Moro are on Earth 1. So Red Tornado goes to Tio Moro's hideout on Earth 2 and finds that it's been completely stripped. There is nothing there, um, to, n nothing he can do to help. So he's like, well, okay, I, I found Tio Moro once by that, hmm, I need to go this way feeling. So he concentrates to see if he can summon that up again, and it directs him across the uh, dimensional rift between the two through the dark zone, which is the barrier between Earth 2 and Earth 1, according to the Red Tornado. And um, he gets to now Earth 1 and finds in the trophy room, the souvenir room, all of our heroes um, subdued also, much like his JSA counterparts. In, in messing around, he uh, starts a device that has a recording that Tio Moro has made. So instead of the typical soliloquy that the bad guy will do, Tio Moro actually recorded all of his thoughts about who he was, what he wanted to do, his plans, everything like that. And so Red Tornado finds out and determines, well, the gun that I was looking for for the JSA members won't work on the JLA members because they didn't, they, they weren't defeated in the same manner. But if I go and get the actual paramours for the people that were kissed by the fake paramours, their real kisses will awaken them because it, uh, what does he say? To reverse their kisses of death. Um, let's see if when he's telling them. Moro filled your duplicates with future energy, which enabled them to kill your loved ones. But by filling you with that energy in reverse, you can revive them. So he uses the gun, use, uh, uh, imbues the paramours with the uh, future, future, future energy and gets them to come and kiss their paramours in the Justice League. At least they will awaken. So he does so. Fills uh, Red Tornado fills everyone in in what's going on, and then takes the revived JLA members to fight Tio Moro. So he uses his hmm, which way should I go? Sense again, and tracks Tio Moro to the dark buffer zone between Earths. And when they arrive there, instead of it being full of darkness, it's full of brightness because Tio Moro has set up camp here with a bunch of his duplicate army. And from here, he's going to launch his attack uh, to defeat both Earths by judging 
the thoughts of the regular people of Earth-1 and the regular people of Earth-2 and uh, set them up to to go against each other, the regular peoples. And so Earth-1 or Earth-2, whichever way you want to look at it, will attack the other and they will essentially defeat each other that way. So the revived JLA members and Red Tornado arrive. Wonder Woman, being the only one with super strength, takes on the equipment and giant antenna that Tio Morrow was going to use to send the brain juice, the, the negative energies against the two Earths. Whereas the other revived members who were Wonder Woman, Adam, let's see, Adam, Hawkman, Aquaman, and Sniper Carr, ah, uh, to fight ground level against all the troops, essentially, is what they do. So a battle ensues. We see Snapper Carr uh, punching somebody out here. Hawkman, Adam, T.O. Moro attempts to escape, but the Red Tornado grabs his faster-than-light spaceship and holds it at bay until the other members of the JLA can come over and help him and grab up T.O. Moro. Um, they all return to Earth-1 with one of the future energy guns in tow, using that... Red Tornado revives Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Superman, Batman, and The Flash. So now the JLA is all back to it. Red Tornado returns to Earth 2 and uses the gun to revive the JSA members who all need reviving, revived, and fills them in on what they missed. And we have a, a lamenting a uh, panel here of how Red Tornado wants a personality, he wants emotions, he wants a home. All of this becomes a driving motivation, I think, for Red Tornado. I, I did recently read for a read-along with John Wilson's Superman in Crisis podcast, a Red Tornado mini. Now, that would have occurred in 1985-86, I think is when that came out. And even then, um, what is this, 68 so that's 16, 17, you know, between 15 and 20 years later, Red Tornado is still bemoaning, oh, I want to be a real boy. So apparently it's not been fixed as of the mid-80s. And so to finish it up, the narrator tells us, will the Red Tornado product of a machine achieve his goal? Can he live as a human being, or is he fated to exist only as a superhumanoid? If you would like to see further adventures of the Red Tornado in his quest for a place in the sun, please write and tell us so. Bottom two-thirds of this page is an ad for Palisades Amusement Park in New Jersey. Now, that brings to mind, I did uh, read an interesting article in the first issue of Retrofan magazine from Tomorrow Publications about, I thought it was named Palisades Park, but it was in California. Maybe it wasn't Palisades Park, but a famous amusement park on the beach with a boardwalk and all that stuff, a pier. I think the park was on a pier, actually, in California. And and that was a really good, interesting article. So interesting, as a matter of fact, that I don't even remember the name of the park. Uh, but nonetheless, that's my fault. That's bad memory on my case. Uh, sleep apnea and diabetes and 54 years old have all succumbed to uh, sap much of my memory uh, long term. But it's still a good article. Retro Fan Magazine, Tomorrow's Publications. Excellent magazine to add to, of course, your readings of Back Issue Magazine and Alter Ego Magazine as they come out. I would recommend Retro Fan for those of you that have that 
retro bone in your body at this point in your life. Very good. Pop culture, it talks about uh, retro pop culture things, TV, radio, books, places, people, the, the whole nine yards. And that finishes up issue 65 of the Justice League of America story. Uh, Dr. Fate, like I said, I think he was in five or six panels. We finished the story, so that was cool. Next time out, as we continue our Dr. Fate coverage for the late 60s, early 70s, is Justice League of America, the 1960 volume, issue 73, which is the next JLA-JSA crossover. So, one, two, the next two stories are crossovers, and then we have a one-off, and we have two more crossovers, and then it starts... uh, Dr. Fate starts breaking out into other books, potentially with just the occasional JLA-JSA crossover. But for the time being, the middle to late 60s through the middle to late 70s, this is the only place where Dr. Fate has anything substantial. So I'll be talking uh, for the next little bit about those crossovers. With all of that being said, thanks for hanging out, guys. I will talk to you again next time. Ciao.